Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're talking with a man who's changing the face of barbecue in Australia. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode 113 of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. Now before we get started, I just want to run a couple of uh, quick announcements by you and we'll get that out of the way before we get stuck into it. So first up, next week we are formally launching our new sister business to Smoking Hot Confessions, Meat and Fire Media Services. We're taking all of the things that we do here to promote Smoking Hot Confessions and we're making them available as services to other businesses out there. We're kicking things off with our very first online course, which is Brand Building Through Strategic Social Media Marketing. In this course, we take you through the exact systems, strategies and tools that we use here to promote Smoking Hot Confessions. The lessons are videos with downloadable worksheets and transcripts to make sure we have everybody's learning styles covered. And as a pre-launch special, we want to give all you podcast listeners a 25% discount on this course. If you're ready to take social media marketing seriously, head on over to meetandfiremediaservices.com slash all courses and use the code word podcast at checkout. Now, if you'd like to help us out, give this video a like and a share on Facebook. If you're watching on YouTube, a thumbs up, a subscribe and hit that notification bell. If you're on Instagram TV, give it a heart and a follow. And if you're listening to this on a podcast app, do give it a five-star rating and review. It only takes a minute of your time, but it really does help us out. Now, today's episode, I'm talking with a man who's built a barbecue business on a very unique business plan. It's not one I've ever seen before. He and his team are responsible for bringing several big name US pitmasters to Australia to share their smoky wisdom. He's set up a reciprocal competition agreement whereby winners from sister competitions in Australia and the US get to uh, tra travel to those sister competitions, opening up opportunities on both continents for all competitors. Recently, they've put on um, Australia's first in-person barbecue competition since COVID with the Backyard Barbecue Series. And if you haven't worked it out by now, I'm talking with Jason Linto from Barbecue Events Australia. So today we're going to find out how Jason got into barbecue. We're going to learn all about Barbecue Events Australia and what they do and how they do it. And we're going to, of course, talk about that beautiful Backyard Barbecue Series. And then we're going to finish out some episode with some tips and techniques for people looking to get into competition barbecue. So without further ado, let's get stuck into it. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Alrighty, Jason, welcome to the confessional, my friend. It is great to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having us, Ben, and uh, congratulations on that uh, Meat Fire um, video, uh, new platform that you're launching. Uh, it sounds really good. I'd like to send some of the uh, team over there to get some pointers and uh, sign up with you guys, I think. So. Sounds great, mate. Sounds great. It, it's very exciting. It's been in the works for a long time now, so we're uh, we're very excited to be finally getting it out there and, uh, and, and starting the ball rolling. Excellent. Excellent. So tell me, my friend, what was the last thing that you barbecued? Last thing I barbecued, actually, at the moment, I uh, my household stuck on tri-tips has been for years. Like, a, we cook everything, but tri-tips are sort of a weekly staple in the house. And uh, one of the butchers here in Perth that um, uh, we work closely with on sponsoring some of our events um, actually got onto some uh, MB9 uh, Wagyu tri-tips. Now, I know you guys get decent marble stuff on the East Coast because we've seen them when we've flown over Sydney and that. Um, and uh, we generally don't get too many of them over here. So, uh, Every time he gets them in the shop, I'm sort of buying six to eight uh, units every time he gets them in. Um, he thinks that we're, we're bootlegging the amount that we're buying. But, uh, yeah, tri-tip, tri-tip. Tri-tip's uh, nice and easy one. So. Mate, I do love tri-tip, but I cannot find it over here. It, it occasionally comes through uh, comes through Super Butcher. But, um, yep. yeah, the, the first time I went to try and buy it, I had to go to 17 butchers before I found someone who even knew what I was talking about. So I'm very jealous that you've got it in abundance over there. Yeah, it's good, mate. Seriously. And it's taken off. Obviously, it's a quick cook, mate. But uh, yeah, just so many things you can do with it. It's, uh, I've got a couple of fussy eaters in the house, mate, and uh, it satisfies them. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, well, that's, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Just trying to get some good nutrients into the kids. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So um, tell us how you like to cook those tri-tips. Yeah, so uh, because of the marble score, the ones that I've been getting lately, I used to do everything indirect and reverse sear like everyone else does because uh, generally 
years back, the trichets that we always had come across the shelves here in Perth were always quite lean. They were just general trichets. Um, actually, with these uh, high marble score, um, last year uh, I was over in Las Vegas with Chef Fildell and he had a highly marbled uh, tricep and he chucked that thing straight on the griddle. And uh, i got to confess, mate, that's that's a lot of the ways that I've been doing it late, of late. So uh, just straight over fire and just giving it a real good quick sear. Um, seems to be working. Um, I haven't tried to, as I said, on the lean cut, but those uh, highly marbled ones work beautiful on the sear for a quick sear. So, yeah, it's good. So, so what's the difference then between a highly marbled reverse sear and a highly marbled direct sear? Uh... I just well you 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 just wouldn't um, obviously timing right so you, you you know you you wouldn't put that lean cut straight over well I I haven't so I'm not gonna say you wouldn't but I have never I've never put a uh, a lean cut directly over a grill situation uh, scenario um, I just, just you know obviously doing that low and slow and reverse seed you always get a bang on product every time um, maybe I need to try it who knows but I know with that highly marbled stuff you know straight over that direct heat it's a it's a really quick cook we can put some heavy spices on there get a nice char in it and it's, it's up on the plates pretty quickly. So that's sort of uh, the lazy man's way of doing it, I suppose. So. Yeah, fair enough. Any of the ways that you're talking about sound absolutely delicious to me, my friend. So what uh, so, so what barbecue are you doing that on? Uh, at the moment, um, I've predominantly got Weber's here. Um, I've also got recently, which I've been doing these tri-tips on, is um, I got one of the original um, MFAS, uh, the M grills, you know, the C4 ammo cases. Yeah, right. Excellent. Justin from Riverax bought me one of those as a surprise uh, a couple of months ago and dropped it over. And uh, yeah, I've been playing around with that. And those tri tips fit perfectly on that ammo case. So uh, it's great, you know, just set it down, get the, get the coals going, and uh, off we go. So yeah, that's otherwise, uh, if it's indirect, then it's on the Weber's or the Smoky Mountain, I'll put it in with some other proteins. So. Beautiful, yeah. Now I've I've only seen those um those M4 ammo cases in photos. How are they for size compared to like a, a Weber Go Anywhere? It, it seems to me they're sort of similar. Yeah. No, they're a lot smaller than the uh, Weber GA. Um, so you'd only probably get um you'd only get a maybe a one point one one point two kilo tri tip on one of those uh, without choking it out. So it is a lot smaller. But you know, just you know, honestly, mate, we we're all showmen. Uh, with the barbecue scene, we love we love having toys, right? So, um, on the weekend we used it. Um, we cooked a whole heap of duck chorizo from one of our sponsors. Um, you could fit about six or seven of the uh, big snags on there. Um, so, look, it, it's good for those sort of short uh, home cooks, you know, for a small amount of people. So, it's a good little unit, mate. It's good. It's good. It sounds like it'll be a great little SCA grill. Yeah, perfect. You know, and that's where obviously I got onto them is seeing those group uh, on the SCA. A lot of those guys were using either those or using Vic's uh, chimney cartel style on the kettles, uh, you know, chimneys. So, you know, Vic, Vic's uh, the innovating man, innovative man, right? So uh, but that's that's where I first come across those uh, ammo cases and I knew what one of them when I saw it. But so, lucky enough, it was gifted to me, mate. So, yeah, it's good. Even better, my friend, even better. So tell yeah. us about uh, Barbecue Events Australia. How did that come about? Yes, so um, we we started back in uh, would have been 2017. I think it was about 2016, 2017. Um, uh, wife had bought me a smoker for Father's Day. I wasn't I wasn't sort of in the scene, um, and there was no uh, classes or anything for me to learn from apart from online. Um, and it just so happened a couple of months after me getting that Weber smoking mount, the small one, uh, Harry Sue's classes came up in Sydney. Um, so I actually flew over from Perth and did his course, um, out there, the one day course, got blown away, came back, cook, 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 stuck a heap of weight on and sort of grew from there. Um, realized that obviously not much was happening here in Perth. So saw an opportunity to, with Harry, um, and a few other people, um, that we, we sort of made friends with, uh, after that first class. Um, and we just started doing small events here. So. We started out obviously bringing uh, Steve Block from Desperado Barbecue, um, Harry Sue. We've had out a couple of times now, which had Big Mo over. I think that's the last time you and I caught up. Uh, actually, no, it's the last time we interviewed. I think it would have been with Mo. Uh, we saw you at Smoke in the Valley, right? So, um, yeah, we sort of transitioned away from primarily initially just bringing people in to do these classes because, you know, uh, the barbecue pool is fairly small. 
um, still. There's a lot of people coming in, but not everyone's diehard fans. So um, the business model didn't make sense to continue down that path. So we um, uh, bring these guys in now when we do events uh, and festivals, and that's sort of where we're moving now uh, is the barbecue comps and the festivals. So um, that's where we're at. Uh, we linked up with uh, Debbie Yop, who owns the Brew & Q Festival in Norco, California, Horsetown. Um, she actually spoke to us about putting on an event down here in Perth and we took over the rights for Australia for Brewing Q Australia, uh, which was held last year in October. Uh, and like you said at the beginning of the show, um, we needed to have something a little bit different or point of difference to what was going on in the scene. Um, so we um, advertised that the winner of Perth Brewing Q flies over and competes at the Brewing Q in uh, California and likewise California wins they come over to Perth just to start that sort of relationship and build the brand. Um, Daniel Barrett was the uh, lucky winner last October. However, he's been a bit cursed because obviously the uh, C word COVID has hit everywhere and uh, his flights are sitting in uh, uh, in hold at the moment for him to go over. So I know he's keen to get over, but uh, yeah, obviously um, Brewing Q, Los Angeles or California was cancelled and postponed this year. Um, so yeah, he'll be ready to go as soon as we can get him over there. Yeah, so it sounds like it's going to be awesome. It's a longer story than that, but that's that's basically it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you you started out um, bringing bringing celebrity barbecuers over for classes, and now you've expanded into into festivals and and uh, yep. events. Um, how how are your your festivals and and events different to to other festivals and and things like that? Well, I can only I can only base it on um, what we've had here in Perth. Um, I haven't been to anything over on the east coast. I haven't been to uh, Meatstock and, and you know Burley and all those guys. You know those comps. Um, obviously, uh, it is on my wish list eventually to get over there. But um, look, I think um, we we incorporated the beers side to ours. So Brew and Q is obviously brew for beers. Um, like I said before, that the barbecue scene is is quite small, and you've got people filtering in. But we need we needed to expand that demographic uh, to have those events put on the show that we ultimately want to put on. Um, so that has to include extra uh, interest and, and beer, mate. I mean, beer and barbecue goes in here. So um, I think Julian Julian D'Souza up in Queensland, he, he does a beer, uh, the beer roadshow or the barbecue and beer roadshow. Uh, is it? Um, yeah, so he, he obviously worked that out as well. Um, that's the main point of difference we do here. Uh, and obviously... Um, that enticing of those international guests coming over to, to compete, uh, and then our guys having the you know, chance to go over and compete in the states—that's uh, that's on every tank wish list, right? So uh, to be actually able to give the airfares to those guys, give them their equipment, and also organise their proteins—I mean, that's ninety percent of your, your trip organised for you, right? So um, that's the main point of difference that we're doing uh, compared to everyone else. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a huge difference too. Just a like I've 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 travelled overseas to compete myself, and I know the the headache that that can be the uh, working out all the logistics. So for for you guys to to have that already lined up for the for the winners, that just that makes the whole process so much easier and so much more enjoyable. Yeah, I, look, I think the reason why that flagged for us to go down that road and actually um, add that added expense to the events is because um, when we started seeing, uh, especially with the KCBS format, that teams were winning uh, tickets to go to the American Royal and that, um, what we were finding is the teams were celebrating, yeah, we got the Royal, and then all of a sudden I was getting phone calls and emails saying, hey, have you got any contacts over in the States because we need to source our, you know, some some equipment and we need to get on suppliers, right? Um, and it was a common theme every time these teams were winning, winning tickets overseas. So I just said to the team at the time, you know what, we can continue taking these phone calls or we can just source everything over there because we've got the network, uh, especially with Brewing Q team being there. Um, we get the equipment set up once, once it's done once, um, you know, it's all there for everyone to use. They don't have, they don't have the opportunity to say, Hey, I want a certain pellet grill or, you know, they, I want a certain offset or whatever. Uh, you know, we've just got standard equipment that they've got to run with. So, but it's there, you know, if they want to get more and use different to what we have, by all means they can do it. But, you know, the core stuff for them to get over there and land, compete, fly out. It's, it's, it's all set up and ready to go. It's so good, man. It's so good. Now you uh, you mentioned uh, Big Mo Case on there before, and um, I think that was November twenty eighteen was when I went over yeah, to smoking on the water there, and yeah. um, he he didn't just come over to compete. You guys had him doing a whole bunch of stuff. Tell us about um, about what you had Big Mo doing. 
Yeah, yeah, so it's funny. Actually, Mo, it wasn't. Uh, so when Mo left uh, the States and I ended here, um, we had him booked to do two days of masterclasses like he does He does well, right? Um, so we, we had him booked for those two days, but we also, on each of the uh, Monday through Thursday before the weekend uh, classes, we actually held some uh, nights where people who couldn't afford uh, to come to his main class could still catch up with the man, right? Because everyone wants to see and get photos with him. Right? So we had a cigar night one night um, at a private cigar lounge because he obviously loved his cigars. So we had a cigar and whiskey night one night for people to sign up to. Uh, Mo loves his fishing, so we had a fishing trip with him. Uh, there was, I think it was eight guests on that, so people got to, to, to sign up for that. Uh, we did a whiskey tasting night. We had a whole heap of micro events around his visit leading into then his main classes on the Saturday Sunday. So, mate, um, when he left the States to come out and do those planned, he, he knew about, obviously, those micro events in his main class. He didn't make the decision to compete until Wednesday <laughs> before the Wednesday, like just before the, uh, the, the comp. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So when he flew, he wasn't even on his radar to do that comp. It was a last minute thing. And he said, you know what, Jason, I want, I want to give it a go. And I went, are you sure? And he said, yeah. So that's what he did. And he ended up winning a uh, GC on that. But, um, you know, he had the most to lose, right? So uh, he flies in and he's got local teams going up against him. Uh, so it, it was good for the teams uh, to go up against, you know, sort of an international uh, guy like that. It was, uh, worked out well, mate. So. Yeah, it was a great boon for uh, for the Australian barbecue scene to, to for an Australian competition to be attractive to such a big name um, American competitor. And we're, we're starting to see that over here on, on this side of the pond as well. And um, yeah. we're... we're I, I think it's fantastic that the Australian barbecue scene has grown so much that our competitions are now a draw card to, to, to bring people to Australia, whereas traditionally it's always been the other way around. We've been drawn yeah. to other countries to go compete. So, yeah, I, I think you're doing some really great great and important work for the scene there. Yeah, and as I said, like Jay and all those guys have done awesome stuff as well, attracting, you know, those international. I mean, it's, that's exactly what we all need to be doing, right? So we we, we need these guys want to come here, not us having to chase over there all the time. We want to go over there, but we, we need we need to build that structure so they want to be coming here. And you know what? Um, you won't hear anyone going back to the States and they've had a bad time, you know, whether it be with uh, the guys over on the East Coast or us here, you know, they go back and they're happy. So uh, that's the main thing. They're spreading that word for us. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I know for me personally, it was a real highlight of that trip. I was um on the Saturday night, the first day of the of the competition. The yep. the event closed, and um I was hanging out at the at the bar with some of the competitors, um yourself, Julianne, and yeah. uh, and then Mo just sort of came over, and then someone else brought over a, an entire tray of he'd he'd cooked like a whole lamb, and just brought a, a, a giant tray with a whole lamb on it. And uh, and just sat there with with Mo and and, and yourself and yeah. Julianne just chatting and just nice and casual. just ripping chunks off this lamb and eating it. It was fantastic. Yeah, it's nah, all good, mate. So as I said, um, he had a good time here, and uh, you know I know he's keen to get back over here, and, and you know we will sort of in the future getting back over here. But so um, yeah, it's, it's it's been a good ride so far, mate. So uh, Australia's a good place to come. US, you need to come over. Definitely, yeah. Now. You're, you're doing um, a whole lot of new things that a lot of people haven't done before. So what are some of the challenges that you've had to overcome? Um, they haven't really been challenges. The biggest thing is getting the right team around me. Um, you know, we've, we've had a few movements within the team structure since I last spoke to you in an interview. Um, and that hasn't been, you know, sort of a negative departures or changes. Um, it's just sort of uh, pe- people's pathways change and how busy they are outside. Because you got to remember that, our team, we're not working this full-time um, officially. You know, it's, it's not a full-time paid gig. We, we've all got our own businesses and we've all got our own jobs, full-time jobs. So we're sort of slamming after hours and, and getting to the line. Um, the hardest challenge would be is just making sure and getting those right team members around us that are able to keep up with us trying to push the boundaries, right, and, and change the system and um, uh, entice new people, spectators, players into the game. That's, that's the biggest thing. So, you know, not everyone I haven't been diagnosed but I'm pretty sure I must have ADHD mate I'm I'm sure of it so you know I've got a a thousand uh, sort of uh, thoughts come through in my mind uh, every hour so um, for the team to be able to keep up with me and actually also um, be able to match me in some of those ideas that's that's the biggest challenge mate yeah yeah yeah, no no doubt about that and so 
what sort of uh, procedures have you had to put in place? So you 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 mentioned that you have like a, a million thoughts a minute. Do you do you dictate them to Siri? How do you how do you handle that 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 flow of consciousness? Um, I'm in regular contact with Matt Matt uh, Price, who we met when we interviewed with Mo. Uh, Matt's moved into the operations director role now here uh, with the company, so um, he's able to take a lot of phone calls at work. <laughs> So basically, um, I'm pretty efficient at uh, filtering out the uh, 999 thoughts uh, every hour, and I normally get it down to one or two, and I'll and I'll get on the phone, and, and you know, especially pre-event, we, we've got some stuff coming up. You know, there's some days there where Matt will, at the end of the day, send me a laughing emoji, and and he'll then do a screenshot of our call history, and it'll be like 30, 40 calls for the day. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. He's, he, Man, he's he's the ultimate business partner. He's uh, he, he, he takes it really well. I mean, most people would have, would have had enough by now. But so, look, um, yeah, I, th- I think I just I filter through pretty quickly, um, and I just um, we analyze and we we do we we throw these ideas out, and we generally try and make a decision within the hour. Like we don't sit on them too long. They either going to work or they're not. And there's a really good synergy between the two of us. We can normally filter through that crap, uh, so to speak. Um, so yeah, that's, that's that's how we work. So awesome. it's not for everyone, and uh, you know it is hard. I'm not the easiest person to work around. Seriously, it's uh, but he, he does a good job. Man, so yeah. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. And um, so, so speaking of successes, what's been the, the, the biggest successes that you've had with BEA? Uh, I think lately, I, I think um, biggest success is actually we teamed up with uh, an absolute awesome guy uh, who's Hezzy, uh, who owns Honeybricks and Pipos uh, Charcoal. Um, so um, you might have seen in the pages we've been pushing that pretty pretty hard um, over the last sort of twelve months or so. Um, Hezzy's really good. Uh, we we pitched the an idea recently to him that you know we wanted to build the scene here in Perth, and one of the ways we're going to do that is through the backyard series. Uh, so we're running a, a four part backyard series, which is all designed around getting new people that may have been sitting on the fringes and looking and going, man, we should grab some mates and have a crack at that. But they haven't done it, right? So this series has been all about trying to get those people in. Um, so I pitched the idea, actually, um, we flew over. So October October was when Brew and Q was. We flew over that week straight after Brew and Q. I flew to Melbourne and met with Hezzy and his team and said, we want to do... Uh, some nurturing and then build a scene, and we pitched the idea of the backyard series, and pretty much from that that day onwards, he's he's been on board and uh, backing us. So uh, that's probably been our biggest accomplishment to date. That we've managed to team up with a, uh, a gold partner like that. Um, that embraces our vision and actually has the same vision that we have to sort of grow the scene. Um, so that's that's been the big one. Yeah, I haven't actually today. cooked on um, cooked on either on either Honey Bricks or the or the Pit Boss charcoal myself, but I've heard great great things about it. it I've yeah, people who Look, use the it biggest rave about thing it. Is with it. Yeah, the biggest thing is um, it, it it takes a bit to get going. It's not. It's got. It's all natural products. Um, it takes a bit to get going, um, but once it gets going, it's it's especially the Honey Bricks. Once once you finish with the cook, you can shut your unit down. And uh, those honey bricks, you can relight that those rods for nearly another cook out of those easy. So uh, it's very efficient, very clean. Now we've had people whinging to us, especially here in WA. Oh man, there's no aroma from it. Well, that's why we use fruit woods, right? That's why why we chuck fruit woods on. It's great getting your charcoal smoke, but they're a very clean burning uh, fuel. Um, so it allows people to play uh, with the with the flavors or with the fruit woods and actually you know understand the fruit woods right so um but yeah it, it, it is a great product um so one of the things we're doing with that backyard series is um to take the daunting uh you know uh, a feeling of jumping into competition we provide the teams with uh, all the fuel so they're all using the same fuel they bring their own smokers but we're providing all the same fuel we provide all the proteins. So the chicken and pork is all provided to the team. So every team is cooking on the exact same thing. Wow. So the only variable is your rubs and your and your timeline and procedures. Everything else is, is sort of an even playing field for these new guys. 
Well, um, that's, that's a really uh, interesting concept. Yeah, I just, well, that, we spoke to a few teams that were looking, um, especially after Bruin Q, um, we asked them about why, what stopped them from jumping in to Bruin Q, right? And the one thing that they said was they don't know what cuts to do. They don't know. They just, it was just overwhelming what they need to do. Hopefully this series shows them that even though it's only pork and chicken uh, that they're cooking, um, that what to look for from their butchers and, and which butchers that were showcasing with these products they can go to and, and use for future. They've only got to worry about pork bru- uh, the brisket and their uh, pork butts from there on. But, you know, the half of the battle, battle's done, right? It gets them over that confidence, uh, lack of confidence, and they actually jump into the scene. So it's, you know, I, I think it's a great concept. Um, it needed to happen because what we were seeing over the last few years is that um, it was the same guard, so to speak, of teams that were in there, and they're all a great bunch of, bunch of guys on the circuit. But the problem is Team A jumps and drops off because he's now doing something else in life. There was nothing coming through filling Team A's spot. So I think a, a massive lesson for everyone Australia-wide is that we need to be, yeah, we need to be concentrating on the actual competition circuit, but we need to be looking years down and actually building that scene up now and bringing people through so that we can actually build it and not just maintain the same numbers that we've had sort of over the last few years. So that's, that's what we're focusing on. It sounds like you're kind of building like a, an, an amateur league to, to sort of bring people through into the, into the big competitions. Yeah, well, this is, everyone relates back to footy, right? So it's like it's like getting your reserves set up, ready to go for you know your league. So um, you know that's 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 what we're doing at the moment, and it's going well. I mean, um, uh, none of the teams have whinged about doing four rounds of just chicken and pork, right? Um, we've talked to them and said, man, if you nail this stuff, then you guys need to be hitting the main cops. You should be nailing chicken and pork in those main cops, right? So you just need to worry about your other projects. But um, yeah, it's been fun today. These guys are um, enjoying. Um, sort of learning. Um, our team will walk around on the day, and they'll actually uh, give them tips and tricks. It's not too much, but you know they'll they'll say, guys, you maybe don't need to bring all that extra equipment. And, and we've noticed even from round one and round two, we had teams turning up to do two proteins with three, four barbecues. Right? Like we looked at unloading, we're going man. But you know, next round they realise they come back with only one or two. So you know that it's not just about the cooking, it's about understanding what you need to run efficiently on the day and run cleanly. So I, I think it's a great program. Um, and again, you know, Hezzy and Honeybrooks, um, Dave, without their backing, um, there's no money in it, right? So without their backing, we wouldn't have been able to do it. So we, we're in debt to those guys for sort of jumping on with what we want to do. Yeah, that's fantastic. So you were talking about uh, pork and chicken. What are the are they are they open categories? Can they can they cook any part of the chicken or or, or any cut of pork? Um, add them, yeah. Add them. Around. We've only done round two, which is uh, round two was two weeks ago because that was um, meant to be a number of months ago and got shut down from COVID. Um, the first two rounds were only chicken thighs because I wanted to get used to chicken thighs. All right. Um, it may be also because we had a bit of uh, dramas presenting with Ribrax um, last year, uh, breasts over in the states and. Got- slammed down right so i think it let's yeah we, we, we didn't do too well with those we, we copped a bit of flack with that so um we may look at it for round three and four um that will go open category but yeah to date it's only been those chicken thighs because i mean they're, they're ultimately you know, the hardest to do right so they can get used to doing those and uh, get get on track with that um it's going to help in the future yeah yeah and and what was the cut of pork there round one baby backs Round two, we did St. Louis, St. Louis style. So, uh, you spare. So, they've had both styles now. And I'd say round three and four, we will um, we'll probably, uh, we've yet to choose which rack we're going to do. Round four, we haven't told the teams yet, but they're obviously going to see this. Uh, we're probably going to say to them, right, you've had three comps to work out the different cuts that you can use. Round four is you go and work out which one you do your own. So oh, that'll nice. let them make a decision and, and decide which they felt they did better with, and then we'll get some variety through the judges' area. So, yeah. yeah it's, it's a good program, mate. It's, it's, uh, we truly believe in it. It's, um, and as I said, it's, you know, it's lean money-wise uh, to put, put it on, but uh, I think it's, if we don't, if we don't um, uh, build that scene at this level now, uh, we're going to run into problems in the next year or two. Yeah, well, you're you're essentially um, 
uh, undertaking all this to kind of future proof the barbecue scene. So of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now you, you uh, alluded earlier to, um, to round two having been delayed due to COVID. Um, your mm. competition is to, to my knowledge anyway, the first barbecue competition to be done in person since COVID. So tell us a bit about how, uh, about how COVID has affected the way you were running those competitions. Yeah. So um, there was a number of facts. It wasn't too hard. I mean, look, I'm not going to, you know, Perth's in a, a fairly unique position that, um, you know, sort of we ha- we've been hit by it, but not as not as badly over the East Coast. Uh, and we do feel for all you guys over there. Um, but now restrictions got released and eased a lot earlier than you guys, hence why I think we're able to do that competition on uh, first out of COVID. Um, the first thing we had to work on was with the venue. So obviously the venue had a strict, um, you know, spatial rule um, and how many people they can have. Um so that was the first one. Once we got that sort of worked out and worked out that, um, you know, how many people were spectators we could get in there and what was still going to work for the venue with us, because obviously teams take up space, right? So um, we had to get that over the line that, yeah, we're going to take up this space, but, you know, our barbecue guys drink, uh, they're going to be spending money, so let's treat them as patrons, right? So once we, we sort of established that, we know the venue side was easy. Um, the biggest thing that um, the teams had to do was, um, like the smokers in round one, where they had multiple too many, um, some of these teams had three, four, five members because they're all trying to learn together. Um, we had to limit round two that they're only uh, able to do a maximum two team members. So you had two team members in a three by three marketing space. Right. Um, yeah. So it, I don't know if it caused any issues within the team ranks, but um, we didn't get any blowback because I think people were happy to just want to do that comp. Um, but yeah, so the teams basically had two people in the marquee. They all had wristbands on. Um, they were instantly DQ'd if anyone outside of their team, so i.e. anyone other than the two team members walked into that team area, public, friends, family, it was an instant DQ. Wow. So yeah. that just stopped, yeah. Um, mandatory gloves, most teams do it anyway. They love the black gloves made for photos and stuff anyway, so it wasn't, wasn't a big one, mate. Uh, uh, hand sanitizer and uh, tongs within the uh, tents. So that, that was pretty much the tent area. Um, all our teams um, before bumping in at the entrance gate all uh, had their temperatures read. So we had to do a temperature reading, make sure they weren't sick. Uh, we asked them a few questions about their history in the last 14 days of being around people. So your standard sort of uh, venue stuff. Uh, the judges uh, were a little bit trickier. Um, because you know what the ratio, the ratios for, um, judging, um, weren't going to work with the amount of teams. So we, we almost had to go to a one judge, one team ratio, whereas it's normally what 1.25 or 1.5 normally, uh, across it. We also had to make it that the table captains, uh, actually were part of that judge crew. Uh, they actually got to eight this time. Normally we'd have separate judge, um, uh, table captains. So we had to limit the amount of people sitting in that judges tent. Judges normally select off the uh, their you know the boxes themselves. Uh, they weren't to touch the food at all. So the table captains actually had tongs. They were then placed onto you know each of the scoring sheets, and, and that's sort of how we uh, we managed that. There were some other measures in place with temperature checks and hand sanitising and all that sort of stuff, but that was the main changes that we had to do. So it wasn't anything major, um, but obviously um, you know we, we needed to protect everything from bumping to how the food was handled, to how the food presented, uh, to how it got to the judges' mouths, and uh, I think we did that pretty well. So yeah, yeah, it sounds well. like it was quite quite comprehensive there, and. Were they were they measures that that you came up with yourself, or were they uh, like government government enforced um, guidelines? No, so there was some government uh, guidelines, but none of that what I've just spoken to was um, that was all stuff that we came up with. Um, all our teams had to provide, um, also do an online that COVID training. Uh, you would have seen the hospitality COVID training. So basically, we said to the teams. You have to go on and do that COVID training as if you're in the hospitality sector because uh, you're serving food. So um, that was the only government sort of um, uh, guidelines that sort of were put in place. Everything else, we just sat down and went, right, what's our area of risk here? 
you know, when you come through the entrance gate, what's the risk at this point? Okay, how do we deal with that? And we sort of just walk through the each of the areas and we and we put measures in place as a result. So it, it, it didn't inflate, in fact, uh, in affect sorry, the uh, flow on the day. Uh, because I think the team put some uh, really good simple procedures in place that were easy to follow. So, yeah, yeah, it was good. Hopefully we don't have to do it so heavy next round. Uh, that's in the end of August, but, you know, who knows what's happening. So. We'll yeah, yeah. Well, you might end up with a few uh, with a few Victorians. I was just reading the news today. There's a there's a whole bunch of um, lockdown at lockdown evaders. Yeah. I think they're calling them. Yeah, it's it, it, it's 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 sad what's going on over there, and we, and we do feel for it. But um, you know, um, I know there's a lot of people that are annoyed that our borders are closed. But you know what? We, uh, I think it's you know, it, it had to be done. We 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 got to try and get back to some normality as, as best we can. Um, you know, I heard the prime minister the other day saying that international travel is possibly not till 2023. I mean, that's just you know, that's just when you're talking about two years out from being able to travel the country, we, we need to really lock things down here in Australia. And, uh, anyway, I don't want to get into that. I know uh, people got their views on it, right? So. Yeah, sorry. I, I, I kind of took us down that, uh, down no, that path. it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. So. So, yeah. you, so you're uh, you're you're obviously getting a a good response to this backyard barbecue series from from up and coming amateur teams. I mean, you know, we 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 say amateur teams, but I don't think we've actually really got any sort of professional teams at this stage. I don't think anyone's uh, just just living off their competition winnings. Um, what's been the what's uh, like the the greatest story that you could share from uh, from the different people's experiences in that in that competition? I don't know if there's a specific story, to be honest, mate. Um, we sort of um, have been nurturing um, that barbecue community spirit um, from day one from when these guys sign up. So um, one of the ways we've done that is we've got a closed uh, we've got a closed messenger group or message group, Facebook group, that only the teams are um, sort of um, uh, signed up to. Um, this is where we release information. But I tell you what, there's many a night I've been sitting back and had a good laugh and uh, put a massive smile on my face because you see these guys, especially loading up to the event and then post-event, not banter, but just uh, the interaction between the teams, man, it, it's, it's awesome to see. And these are guys that would never, ever have crossed paths anywhere else, you know what I mean? And yet they're on this chat and they're all, mate, the, these guys are all, uh, there's no secrets in there. So they're all posting their their test cooks, their practice cooks, right? And I'm thinking, man, I'm pretty sure we, we were told back in the day, you don't do that, right? So you keep it to your, keep your cars yourself. But, you know, they're, they're just happy to be involved in the scene. And that's that's the biggest thing that we found. It's not really a story, I suppose, but uh, just seeing um, uh, how these teams are sort of integrating into sport, that's 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 a massive thing for us, mate. So, yeah. Fair enough, yeah. And so would that be the, the biggest success that you've had with the Backyard Barbecue Series, would you say? I think so. Yeah, I think um, proof of concept, right? So getting that one in one thousand an hour uh, idea and getting it across the line and actually out in the field for the day, um, and seeing that the, the formula formula works, um, and seeing that the people that are involved with that format are enjoying it. Man, what I mean, what, what more do you want? Um, you know, as I said, it's not about the money. It's it's about building that sport and and building building that team uh, sort of pull up. Um, ultimately, what we want, you know, we're not going to lie. Ultimately, what I want to see is that these twenty teams that we've got to in the backyard of this year are going to jump off of Brom and Kier, right, and do our main festival and jump in and go. You know what? Let's have a crack. So um, this year's going to be interesting. Uh, we, we only announced um, sort of a soft announce. Uh, we're only 75% of the way there. Um, the Bruin Q is going ahead in October. Uh, it's going to be in a very different format than what we did last year. But we're now thinking that round four for the Backyard Series, we're going to do at Bruin Q. So oh, concurrently. We, yep. So we're going to do like, like we do in the States at Bruin Q in uh, Norco. Uh, the, the teams will do their normal hand-ins you know, normal timings, and then the backyarders actually do their hand-ins after that event. So we can use the same judge pool. Uh, the teams get to just roll up on the day still, but they get to be a part of that big competition, but still finish out the series. Um, because ultimately, the guy who wins that, um, or the team that wins after round four for backyarder, we're flying them over to LA 
to actually compete with a backyard as a Bron Q next year if it opens or when it opens. So wow. next, when it opens, we're not only going to have the uh, winners of Bron Q fly over, but we're also going to have the backyard series winner uh, fly over and compete. Now, in the US, that normally gets 50 or 60 backyard teams in that comp. So they're going to step up in, you know, obviously how many people can meet. But what an experience, right? Like it's... Oh, amazing. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> I don't think a backyarder series has ever had that level of prize pool, and why not? Why not? Why not give these guys a full taste of where they can go with the sport, right? So uh, they're hungry. They're hungry to. So, I'll yes. bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt about that That's at all. Cool. Yeah, I love that idea. There's a um. I don't know if you follow the UFC, but there's a there's a TV show. I think it's just called The Ultimate Fighter, and what the it it, it it's all run by the UFC. And what they do is they they take twelve amateurs and they put them through a twelve week kind of reality TV show using my wow. air quotes. Yeah. And the the winner of the show gets a spot in the professional UFC. Is that is that kind of a similar idea with this, or are you aiming to move everybody into the into the pro series? Uh, yeah, look, I, I, I haven't seen that show, to be honest, but uh, it sounds very similar to what we're trying to do. Look, as I said, ultimately what we want is these guys to transition over to uh, the, the main the main uh, circuit. And then, you know, next year we've got a new bunch of teams coming through to fill their spots. So we're constantly growing, right? So uh, we, we should have more teams signing up each year. That's my aim. Uh, and transitioning to main comp scene than uh, what we have falling off. And that's what, that's how we're going to grow, right? And that's 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 the directive we've given the team. You know, we have to we have to build this thing. It's uh, you know it's imperative that we do it. Otherwise, you know, we're we're building brands and that for something that's at some point is going to have issues, and we don't need to get to that point. So, yeah. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd Ben Arnott. Alrighty, so we've had a big um, a big chat now about uh, about bringing in these these teams into the backyard barbecue series. Uh, you've got yep. some some tips that you want to share with us for people that are looking to get into competition barbecue. So let's let's uh, pick number one and and get started with that one. What's your first tip? I think uh, the biggest tip is if you're thinking about getting into competition barbecue, you need to approach your local promoters and have a chat to them and say, how can I do it now? I'm hoping that if they other promoters, you know, look at this and they haven't got what we have in place for the backyarder series, that at least these promoters might be able to say, hey, you know what, I can put you in contact with this team. They might be willing to, like like uh, Smoking did here in Perth. Uh, Stefan Stefan's format a uh, number of years ago did that um, sort of apprentice apprentice style uh, thing. I think that's the biggest tip. You know, if if you want to get into sport, have some fun approach your promoters, your local guys that are putting the comps on or your local groups. If you can't do that and you can't do that, then maybe look at organising a backyard series yourself. You don't need to go with sanctioning and, and all the rest. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like just, just get something happening. Just 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 get some people uh, together and have a, have a friendly cook-off. And, you know, you might be able to team up with some of those guys and actually start jumping into some of the bigger events. So that's, that's the biggest tip, mate. So just sort of grab grab three mates together and have a steak off at home. Yep, I think so. What way? I was speaking to Phil Chef Phil Dell in Vegas this morning, uh, probably two hours ago, and um, he, we were talking about the backyarder series, and, and uh, Phil said to me, um, "That's that's pretty much what he used to do back in Vegas. Um, they used to, well, they used to just grab some mates and grab you know a whole heap of guys together, and uh, they used to just." have a cook-off, right, and, you know, might have some friendly wages and stuff. But, you know, I think that's worst-case scenario. You, you need to go to your promoters and say, hey, how can I get involved, guys? I, I want to be involved in what you're doing here. What, what can I do? Who can you put me in contact with that I can team up with? Or can you tell me, is there a way I can do uh, less proteins and I can just do part of it? Like, it just, you know, it's obviously an option for people to do not all four categories, but is it publicised? Like, you know, so, you know, most of the guys we've spoken to all think you have to do all four. Mm. Well, no, you can turn up and just do one or two. It doesn't mean you're going to get the points for that series. But, you know what I mean, it's not made aware. And I think that that the promoters need to say to teams, hey, you know, if you want to jump in and have a crack at it and only want to do one project, just do it. Have a go. And we need to push that point now across the top. So, That's yeah. a good point. I'd, I'd never actually um, thought of it that way. But you're right. No one ever says you can do one, no, two, three, or four. 
No, and, and it's the options there. No, no promoter is going to say to you you can't do it, right? Brewing Q in October, we had we had teams there only. That was a full master series, right? Four proteins. We had two teams there only do three of the categories. They knew they weren't going to GC, but they knew also that they wanted to do well in those three categories. So you know the options are there, but it's just not publicised, and I, I, I don't get why because that's that's the simplest way of getting people into sport. It's it just it's a no brainer. It's already there. Just, just push, push that tool across. So, yeah, that's a good idea, mate. Good idea. Now, you mentioned um, apprenticing there uh, j- just earlier. Um, would you recommend that uh, that um, people that, that want to compete start trying to contact existing teams and just see if they can just be a be like a guest on that team for a particular competition? Would that be a good idea? Yeah, look, I think we've we've seen that model rolled out uh, in the past uh, where people have done that, and that's all good and well if you know someone in the scene, right? But you still got to find out the details. And to be honest, most of your event organisers and your promoters or your event organiser, right, they're, they're going to know which teams are more suited maybe uh, to taking on someone. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's some teams there that just, man, they're just – you go in their tent and try and talk to them during – uh, when they're when they're cooking and get returning, right? You're going to get a finger. Like it's they're going to they're going to be kicking you out, right? So, you know, I, I think your event organizer is going to know who's the best person for you guys to team up with. Uh, they're going to give you a bit of direction. It doesn't hurt to approach these teams, but you know, how many teams are going to uh, how many teams are going to take kindly to a guy saying, "Hey, I want to jump on your team," like they're going to. So, I think I think your first point of course should be your event organizer. Um, they and then maybe from there, your event organizer is going to go, Man, I'm gonna get so many inquiries. Let's get together a pool of teams that want to do it so that when these guys ring, I'm not having a brain brainstorm. I've actually got a list of teams now that are listed down that said, Yeah, we're interested, and then uh, he can put them in contact. And I think that's where the event organizer then steps away, right? Makes that contact and leaves it up to that. Um, so that's probably the best way to do it, but. You know, it's, it's it's up to the event organizer whether they want to do that extra work. So, that's yeah. quite an interesting idea of um of of having the promoter actually try and line up some barbecue mentors before they uh before the competition kicks yeah. off, so that if they do get approached, they can say, "Hey, look, here's the sub list of teams yep. that have said they'd be willing to 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 mentor Absolutely. a newbie." Yep, because that throws it back on not only you know us as organizers and promoters, but that throws it back on teams to help in that process of recruitment, right? Um, it's their sport. So I think, you know, the more of us at all levels um, and all sort of facets of, of the scene um, that, that can get involved and help nurture that, it's, it's only going to be a win-win, right? So it uh, makes sense. It's just, yeah, it's a no-brainer. Beautiful, mate. There's some uh, definitely some good tips in there for, for, for those people listening who are wanting to uh, to make that move from their own backyard into your backyard barbecue series or into it, even all the way up into the – into the big competitions there as well. Yeah, I was just going to say, look, you know, our, our doors are open, mate. Like it's, um, you know, we've got a number of Eastern States teams and if there's guys that are over there, um, so we've got East State teams that come over and fly over. We've got equipment for them and, and, you know, we welcome everyone on the East Coast to come over and, and compete and, and, and be involved in our events. But if there's any guys that are a little bit cashed up and can afford to come over and fly over um, and want to jump and have a crack at even one uh, backyard series, Man, if they get in contact with us, I'll set them up with equipment and I'll give them our keys and I'll get them all their equipment. If they want to come over and just have a jump in and have a crack at just one watered down event, then, you know, we, we'll compliment that and we're happy for them to come over and do it. Like we, that's, mate, we, we're more, more than willing to do that. So. Mate, that sounds like yeah. a fantastic weekend away to me. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we, we can organise everything. And, you know, I know it's a long way to come, but you know what? I flew to Sydney to learn how to barbecue, so it's not that unrealistic to do, right? So <laughs> that's yeah. true. That's true. All right, yeah. listen, man. I'm going to throw the throw the studio over to you now. This is a good point to sort of start to start wrapping up this episode. So, um, give some shout outs, give some thanks to to people who've who've helped you and supported you on on your journey, and then um, tell everybody where they can track you down on the social media. Yep, excellent. So uh, obviously today, it's, um, the main players that we sort of have helped us with our crazy ideas and our goals, uh, and, and sort of what we've been pushing for is uh, Pezzi uh, and the team from Honeybricks, uh, Pit Boss, uh, invaluable. Those guys are doing sensational work. Um, you know, ninety uh, percent of what we're doing at the moment wouldn't be possible without those guys and the backing of those guys. So uh, yeah, they're, they're heroes to us uh, and, the, and the format. Um, the local butchers, we've we've had, we've been supporting the local 
local, same local butchers now for the last three years. Um, Ian Johnson at Melbourne Heights Meats. Um, we've got Tender West and Clayton's there. They're owned by uh, Mike Fielder. He owns those two shops. Uh, Raymond from down at Moorabra Quality Meats. I think you guys, most of you guys would know him. He's all over the socials. Uh, and uh, Mondo Community Warriors, uh, sorry, Mondo Butchers. Uh, Mondo's have been uh, very supportive over the over the years as far as uh, meats and supplies. So, uh, yeah, they're the main guys that we've been working with and uh, they've made everything we've done today possible. So they're, they're doing stuff. So, yeah, that's it. Oh, and I suppose, look, the biggest one for me personally, uh, getting away from barbecue events, is Harry Sue. Um, Harry Sue, for me, ever since that first class, he he is my mentor. I, I, I speak to him, if not on a monthly basis, uh, every every few weeks, uh, we're we're in contact either by uh, text or speaking. Um, Harry's been the driving force behind a lot of our strategies um, and our ideas where to go with barbecue events Australia and building the scene. Uh, so without Harry Sue starting this all off with that obsession Sydney, and then providing that mentor. Uh, sort of roles me over the years. Uh, yeah, he, he, he's, he's the key to everything. He is the key to, to everything that's the So, yeah, I'm going to thank him big time. So. He's a top guy, that right. one. And, he uh, is, mate. And make sure you tell everybody where they can track you down on the uh, socials as well. Yeah, so uh, if you jump on, we've, we've got uh, obviously website. Does anyone use the website anymore for the events? I'm not sure, but we've, we've got that set up there. So that's uh, barbecue, bbqevents.com.au. Um, you can track us down on Insta and also on Facebook under barbecue, barbecue events Australia. Uh, both those platforms, uh, you can catch up and keep an eye on what we're doing and uh, sort of the, uh, any new concepts that we're coming up with. So, yeah. Beautiful, man. Absolutely fantastic. Look, thanks very much for your time. I know you're a busy guy. You've got like 700 things you've got to get done today and you've still got another 999 ideas you've got to come up with in the in, in the next nine minutes left out of this hour. So, uh, <laughs> mate, I'm going to say thank you very much for, for taking time out and coming on the show and sharing all these thoughts and ideas with us. Yeah, my pleasure, mate. And thank you. And listen, uh, yeah, all best of luck with that meat fire uh, video, that new platform that you guys got. I think um, we'll definitely be uh, getting in contact with you and uh, getting some uh, stuff rolling, I think, on that. So that's awesome, mate. Good work. Sounds great. Thank you very much. Thank you. And there you have it, family. That was Jason Linto from Barbecue Events Australia. How interesting was that to hear all the different ways that Jason and the team are challenging the conventions in the barbecue industry and coming up with new ways of doing things. Make sure you check them out on the socials to be kept up to date on all their competitions, classes, barbecue celebrity events. I mean, you you heard it all in that episode there. These guys are doing so much and it doesn't matter if you're at the pro level or if you're just starting out, they've got something to take care of everybody. So do, do follow them and make sure that you keep up to date with everything that they're doing. Now, before we go, take a minute and give this video a like and a share on Facebook. If you're watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, a subscribe, and hit that little notification bell. If you're watching on IGTV, give us one of those little love heart follows. And um, and if you're listening on a podcast app, give us a five-star rating and review as well. It lets the robot overlords know that you like the show and that they should show it to other people who might like it too, which, which in turn really helps us out as well. And just one final reminder, head on over to meetandfiremediaservices.com and check out what we've got going on over there. There's some really cool stuff going on. And if you do decide to enroll in that course, 25% off, code word podcast. So, and that's all we have time for today. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. <laughs>